Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. And welcome back to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm Russell Hartman, joined by the other two members of the top line, Mr. John Luke Shapiro and Kevin Krupe, who is stretching in a very weird manner before we start. I can see you on that. You know, I got to get, get nice and limber. There's a lot of things to talk about here. Absolutely. And we're going to get to a lot of things today, including Mark Stahl being scratched for the first time in his career, Taco's ascension, and Philip Hill and Ryan Lindgren sparking this team since they've been called up. But first things first, let's dissect the past three games. A 4-1 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning, a 2-1 win over the Nashville Predators, and I have no idea what happened the other oh, night, but a 6-2 loss to the Ottawa oh Senators oh at home. Oh, okay, let's know, we, were, we were supposed to do an immediate reaction right after that game, and it deflated me so much. I, I, I didn't even want like, to talk gonna, about it. Well, right at least you guys Iowa weren't game. there. Well, I'm sorry you bought <laughs> ticket plans for only Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. Let's start with some good before we get into yes, that game. Let's yes. start off on a little good mood. Let's so, not have the boss man come and kill us for being so negative. I don't think he. I think he gets enough of it from Twitter as this. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, four-one win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Philip Hedl ends up scoring the game-winning goal when he gets called up. Lion Lindgren gets called up to the lineup that day as well. Mark Saul scratched. Lindgren inserted in his place. I personally have loved Phil Peel's game ever since he's gotten called up. He looks like a brand new player. He looks like he is on it right now. And the deflection he had against the Tampa Bay Lightning of Butchnevich's pass was ridiculous. One-handed, not uh, a big team, deal. Not a big deal. The team, not a big deal. The team looked fantastic in that deal. win. And Kevin Scheidenkirk didn't have a big night, surprisingly. Most former Rangers have big nights against us, but it turns out he didn't. So... Ed, let's get your thoughts on this game first. What did you think about the Rangers' 4-1 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning that last week? They looked energized. They looked like, you know, they're the the you know the team that everybody beats up on. They're the team that surprises everybody now because they've been playing so poorly. But everything clicked for them. Everybody was like that. And I don't think anybody really had a bad game for Tampa Bay. And they were just on fire. They were firing at all cylinders. Everybody contributed. Every line looked great. You know, I, of course, you know, there's the small things that we have problems with, but that's not here nor there. But, you know, Phil Pedal, you know, David Quinn said at the beginning of the season, you know, I'm not going to put these guys on if they're not going to be top nine. And that was true. Why, why put him in a position where he's not going to thrive and they threw him in the AHO? He was on fire from day one, helped Hartford get to an amazing, an unbelievable start that you'll be hearing about with Ricky shortly. But, it's it's just unbelievable how well him and Lingard really played, and Filipino has just been outstanding. Probably the best Ranger in the past three games, in my opinion. And it's just I don't know. He's just he's just been a resurgence. One of he's the been, things he's that I liked it. about Heedle since his call up is he just looks like a man on a mission. Like he he was he was digging into the corners. He was pushing people through, skating through, making smart passes. It really seems to me that that demotion after training camp really lit a fire under him. And it's just so refreshing to see because he has the skill set for it. Yeah. But do you know what he said after the, after he was interviewed, uh, when he got, came back up, he was like, look, I was disappointed for a few hours, but after that, I was like, I just know what I have to do. I have to put my nose to the grindstone and I have to really get at it, which mm -hmm. that's a great, that's a fantastic mindset. That's a leadership mindset. Right That's a there. good head on his shoulders, I'll tell you that. Fantastic. It really humbled him. He's a Rangers top center prospect for a reason. And, I mean, he was drafted extremely high, and when 
Filipino was drafted. A lot of people literally had no idea who this kid was. Uh, but you know what? He was very, very young when he was drafted. Yeah, and a lot of people said if he was to be picked the year after in the 18 draft, he would have been uh, a lock for a top 15 or top 10 pick based on how well he played in the Czech Republic. So you love the comments Heedle made, how, you know, he was disappointed for a few hours, but he took it as, all right, I need to get my game to that level I know I can get it at. I need to be able to step up and be the player that this rebuilding team needs. And I love what JL said, that he looks like a man on a mission because that is exactly what Philip Heedle is doing right now. It looks like he's using his size well. He's using his stick handling well. I mean, he's pulling off moves around guys, right? He Confidence is blooming with Philip Heedle right now. And it's really great to see that this kid who, you know, a lot of people, you know, he was disappointed. We were disappointed that he had a poor preseason, but he comes back up and he's, he's looked every bit the dominant uh, young kid that we thought we were getting uh, in the 2017 draft. Um, so, <laughs> good grief, so, Kevin. We should, we should pay you for the corny jokes. I mean, I'm only here for them, so. But that's my job. You're taking my job, Kevin, so yeah, stop Kevin, that. You're you're to, you're, 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 there's supposed to be good jokes. That's the difference. Oh. Oh. All right, move on. None of that, Kevin. JL tells great jokes. Leave him alone. They're, so, they're puntacular. They are indeed. That's a, that's a word we want to use. <laughs> so after that great 4-1 win against the Lightning, we move on to the game against the Nashville Predators. A 2-1 win, a gutsy effort, I might add. The Rangers really kind of grinded that one out. Uh, Ryan Lindgren, again, showing some great poise with the puck, showing, you know, he's a physical player. He brings this element that the defense didn't kind of have before him. Uh, and, you know, he gives a much different element than Mark Stahl had. Uh, I think Ryan Lindgren should stay in this lineup. I think he's done a fantastic job since the call-up. And the Rangers look fantastic. Again, Filipino making a huge impact early in the Nashville game. Co-dragging around a defender and just popping the puck pass. Um, I believe it was UC Soros. UC Soros. And, my God, to pull off a move like that, it takes balls. And he did it huh. in a game, and it looked awesome. So, JL, we'll start with you for the Nashville game. So, we started with Kevin for Tampa. What did you see in the, that the Rangers did in Nashville that just it, that you loved? That was probably the best defensive game I've seen them play. Uh, Lindgren was solid. Uh, even you know everyone on the back end was solid. Everyone was it was team defense through and through. And the one of the things that I liked was is that not only were they playing solid team defense throughout that game. Um, they were they were feisty. I mean, that was a real feisty game that they played against Nashville. They were not quitting against a team that was clearly more talented, stacked on offense. Just you know, and and also doesn't help that Georgiev played a phenomenal game in net too. Made a ton of key saves on a couple of Rangers miscues on the back end. So um, as Kevin aggressively nods his head in approval. Well, you um, took my point. I was, it, was a, it was a secret point. And I yeah. was like, by the way, the best player has really been Alexander, Alexander Georgiev. And, you know, the one thing I liked, too, was not only did Philip Heedle have arguably one of the nicest goals I've seen all year, but Artemi Panarin in his own right. I haven't seen Panarin play a bad game yet. I really haven't. And maybe there's things that I'm missing, but he just night in and night out seems to be the best forward. And Ryan Strom has fed off of that. Even before he was paired with Panarin, Ryan Strom was just beginning to go on the uptick. But then as soon as he was paired with Panarin, they were they were just buzzing. 
So it's nice to see these guys stepping up in the absence of Zabanajad, and obviously you want to see Mika back as soon as possible, but the experiment of putting uh, Panarin and Strom together seems to look like it's working out for them, and it was shown in that Nashville game. Ryan Strom was gifted that goal. I mean, it was a nice deflection, but Panarin with the beautiful pass, great defensive effort all around. I was loving Lindgren's game especially. Adam Fox, phenomenal as usual. Uh, Libor Hayek, good as usual, of course. So... um. At the end of the day, that was a real gutsy win, and it really shows that when this team puts all of their effort and plays a solid 60 minutes, they can beat anybody, you know? And hopefully these young guys can continue to have that that winning mentality where they could just stand up and take on good teams because that'll eventually, you know, get them far once they really develop into actual, you know, bona fide full-time NHLers. Now, Jill, I love the point you make about Artemi Panarin because I really don't think he's played one bad game yet. <laughs> and that's exactly what you want out of the $11.6 million man. That's exactly what you want out of Artemi Panarin each and every night. And he's stepping up to the plate, always got a smile on his face, always contributing to a big goal, always showing with his play that he's ready to, you know, be the guy. And, you know, you know, it's going to take some time for Capococco to develop there. You know, Vitaly Kravtsov is back in the K. But right now... He is the guy, and he's driving this team with his play. I believe he's still a point-per-game player at this yes, point yes. in the season. I mean, he is a fantastic player. He's even better defensively than I could have imagined when he came here. And it's just, you know, it's nice to see a free agent signing that when you when he signs that big deal, he lives up to the expectation of that big deal. quickly, too. And I know Mika Zibanejad was our best off offensive player last year, but the difference between Zibanejad and Panarin, Zibanejad plays the penalty kill. He plays defensive defensively. Panarin is pure offense. You're not going to see him on the penalty kill. He's good at back-checking. He's good at covering his own zone, but you're not expecting him to do that. That's the that's the best part about Zibanejad. You can expect him flying down the ice, getting a goal, getting an assist, making a great pass, you know, opening up the D. But, you know, with Zibanejad, you always had some sort of negative thoughts because he was out there for a penalty kill and he would get scored on. Or he was out there, you know, defending the rush because he is a center. So with Panarin, it's just a breath of fresh air because he's just that good. He, he, he This is like the first time in years where we got somebody that really, like you said, Russell, was worth the money. Oh, absolutely. He's oh. making, He's worth it and more. Huh. All the, I don't know what the bonuses are, but he's earning all the bonuses. Well, I mean, if you're making if you're making like seventy million dollars in bonuses, I think if the way he's playing right now, I think that's worth it. And, and another, you, got, you mean you'll pay me to score goals? Who would have sure. thought? No way. <laughs> and another thing that I like about Panarin too is that not only is he just solid all around, he's also played. Also, let's not forget his defensive play as well. He seems to be very responsible because he is. But you know, but. But like I said, you don't have to rely on it. No, absolutely not. That's the best not. part about it. And one, it's kind of like similar to the reasoning of an offensive defenseman. You know, some people think an offensive defenseman is just going to be up there for offense. But if you think about it, an offensive defenseman knows where to put the puck. That begins the offense. And Artemi Panarin has that. And Mika Zibanejad also has that. So the Panarin's defensive play is not only just him back-checking, but it's also him making smart decisions with the puck. Now, not every hockey player is going to make a smart decision because, you know, people are imperfect. But for the most part, it seems like Panarin, whenever he's on the ice, is always either creating an offensive chance or is putting his team in a position to make a good play. And that's what you want in a guy that you're giving about $11 million a year to because at the end of the day, 
he's the guy that's going to be the guy along with Sabanajad. And you need that kind of play from that kind of player. Absolutely. And for those Cuban score, home Panarin is the second highest AAV in the league at 11.6, only behind the best player in the world, Connor McDavid. So after following up those two games against two powerhouse teams where the Rangers were really starting to come to their own, they come to the Garden uh, against an Ottawa team. Capococco scores the opening goal, which was beautiful, by the Wild. way. Fantastic feed from Box. Yeah. Yes, I was, Kevin, you read my mind. Adam Fox with the amazing feed to Kako. Kako with the soft hands in front of the net. It's his third goal of the season. First multi-point game of his career. So he's steadily improving, steadily getting more comfortable on the ice. But the Rangers just bought into the shenanigans. They let Brady Kachuk run wild. They let John, they, the ghost of Jean Gabriel Pajot, the memories of that goal. I mean, the Rangers just, they, they lost their game. They completely forgot the game plan, completely bought into Ottawa's antics, and let Ottawa take command of that game. And by the time they really got their legs under them, when Panarin scored that power play goal, it was way too late. And it was a 6 2 loss, a humiliating loss on Garden Ice. I, JL, you were there. I'm sorry you were there and you had to witness that live. <laughs> you can begin here against Ottawa. What happened? Okay. Let me process my thoughts because it was it was it was a night of a lot of highs and a really crazy low. So um they were buzzing. They played really well for the first, I think David Quinn said about eleven minutes. <laughs> And no, it's true. They were they were they, they were playing didn't really have a well. Shot on goal. It was until like it was, ten minutes. Yeah, it was ten one shots advantage for the Rangers. And when Kako scored the goal, obviously the Garden went ballistic. And I I, I put a tweet out uh, the other day because I, I announced that I gotta go to games on Twitter because you know I just want people to care. And when they don't, um, just kidding. <laughs> and um, so I I said on Twitter that if Capo Kako scores a goal. I'm, uh, when I'm there, I'm gonna shriek like a hyena, and shriek I did. Uh, you know, to the to the dismay of the guy sitting next to me who had no idea what was going on. But um, you know, they were strong. They were you know well playing well in their own zone, making good passes. And then you started to see once the Ottawa Senators got that five on three after the Brady Shea penalty, it just kind of seemed like they started running around, and Ottawa really got the momentum. Uh, one of the things that I noticed too was that. And David Quinn alluded to this after the game. It was that uh, Brady Kachuk got into their heads, and you could see it. And not just Brady Kachuk, but just some of the other Senators too, because Lemieux got into a scrap, uh, D'Angelo got into a scrap, and you could just see Kachuk just, you know, every time he was on the ice, just pounding his way into the zone. And one of the goals that was scored against uh, uh, the Rangers, Brady Shea and Tony D'Angelo were on the ice, and uh, I was up in the blue seats and. Kachuk just skated straight to the net, and he slammed that puck so hard into the back of the net, I heard it from my section. So, And you could just see them standing on top of Georgie, and it just sucked because you could see how once the momentum changed, they started using that physical play, and that's what really got the Rangers out of it. They, they weren't playing the worst because they've had worse efforts. It's just that they let the emotions get the best of them, and Ottawa took advantage of that. And, you know, some people are like, oh, well, Ottawa's a bad team. Well, I mean, the New York Mets won, like, 60 games in 2003. They were the worst team in baseball. Bad teams are going to win good games. So that's why I'm not too upset about it. This team isn't winning a cup anytime soon. So it happens. This is still a young team. They're learning. 
And it just, it honestly just really sucked <laughs> at the end of the well, you, day. You hit the nail on the head there. You a young team that's still learning. They don't know how to face against teams that are, you know, do or die situations. No. They don't know how to face against teams that just have nothing else to lose. Like the Ottawa Senators, guys that play with grit and physicality and, you know, guys that know how to get under your skin. And it looked like the Rangers were dominating the whole thing. And the Ottawa Senators took a chance. They took a gamble, had, had a few fights. You know, took got some good penalties going their way, and then they just rolled rolled with it. And the the younger guys didn't know how to really handle besides just trying to fight. And that's not really what they should be doing because then they're down men, and then there was some bad calls, and it's really piled up. And you know, it's just a bad loss. It's just what's going to happen. Yeah. They're not going to, you know, best case scenario, they're five hundred at the end of the year. But you know, Russ, let me ask you this: It's just you know, you see a, you see a loss like this, and you know, you see. This, some of the defensive players not play well, you know, do you bring back Mark Stahl next game? Well, you teach some of the younger guys, maybe even Shea, just like give them a night off. It's like, look, we had a few games in four days and just, let's, let's just let's take it. I think if anyone on the New York Rangers roster needs a break or needs to look uh, at the game from the press box for a game, it's Brady Shea. Um, and, you know, I don't want to harp on him because overall the defense did not live up to their jobs last night, but we've seen this season Brady Shea is having kind of a tough time of things. Um, he hasn't played with Truba much. He hasn't been on the top pair a lot. He's been kind of shifted around the lineup a bit. Um, you know, Libor Hayek's been playing with Jacob Truba now. Um, and Ryan Lindgren has been, in his short time up, has looked a lot more solid than Brady Shea has recently. And I'm not saying I hate Brady Shea because I don't. I've, I think Brady Shea, has a, he still can turn his game around. His rookie year was fantastic, and, you know, you don't want to see people. You don't want to see this turn to Brady Delzato. That's not what you want. Oh, that is boy. not what you want. Speaking of the defense, though, Kevin, I'm glad you. I'm glad you shifted it to this. Is our best defenseman this year has not been Jacob Truba. Surprisingly, has not has certainly not been Brady Shea, but Adam Fox. When you're watching the game, it's not the. Sometimes it's not the big play. Sometimes, even though his assist to Kako was great, it, it's not the big play. It's taking the puck at the line and doing a little shifty move to skate around someone. It's taking the puck at the line, walking the line, and then maybe making a quick move with his stick to get it to, to get the puck to someone else. It's the little, smart, quick decisions that have been separating Adam Fox from every other member of the blue line. Uh, you know what? I can group Tony D'Angelo about that because you know what? Tony D'Angelo has been really good this year, too. He's been putting up points. He's been showing that he wants to be on this team and be a part of the solution going forward. So, Kevin, to answer your question, Brady Shea should be the one to sit in that press box. And I think he needs to really kind of take a breath and look at what he needs to do to succeed because I want him to succeed and I want him to be the player that we all know he can be. So moving on here, I mean, you know, you had two great games against Tampa and Nashville and you have a stinker against the Ottawa Senators. Like Kevin said, these things happen. You know, over the course of the season, this is not a team contending for a cup. That's not what's happening here. We're rebuilding. Te guys are, uh, you know, they're learning. Guys are getting better. And you know what? It's a process. It's going to take some time. And one guy who I'd like to focus on before we get to Ricky is our number two pick, and that is Capo Caco. JL, you saw Caco uh, yesterday against Ottawa. You've seen him, uh, honestly, more than Kevin and I have this year. <laughs> the progression 
that he has been making since the beginning of the season is something I really wanted to highlight here because even David Quinn said that Kako's best game he might and it was probably the game against Ottawa and that he looked like the best player on the ice for the New York Rangers. What do you like about what Capo Kako has been doing to get to his more comfortable stage now? Well, I, I, I just I'm, it's really, I'm trying to find the right word for it because you can see how much more confident he is just in general. He's not tentative as much anymore. Obviously, there's still some things he could work on, but lately it just seems like he's just comfortable. You know, I was reading an article from the New York Post. Uh, I think it was the New York Post or one of the one of the publications I found on Twitter that was talking about. Um, yeah, it probably was the Post. And it was talking about how the Rangers enlisted. I want to say it was either someone from Finland. I want to say Tuomo Rutu. And they had him come in. They had him talk to Kako and basically kind of trying to tell him, like, look, man, like, this is how it is, and it made him feel comfortable. And you can see that after that little visit, it seems like he's a little bit more sure of himself now. Because, again, you've got a kid coming straight from Finland in the middle of New York City. You know, as much as we want to make fun of the whole Kapo Kako, wow, it's a nice city meme, you could clearly see on the kid's face that he's awestruck. He's never been in a big city like New York before. So to have him come in and immediately come in and just start wrecking it, it's a little much to ask. So the fact that he's not only played the way he's played, even on the bad stretch, quote-unquote, and now turning into you know the kind of player that we can see him turn into is actually a testament to his skill. Uh, he's, more, he's, he's making better passes, too, is what I'm noticing. When he has the puck and he's forechecking in the zone, um, actually, if you take a look at his goal that he scored the other night, he actually was one of the ones that started that play because he was in the corner on the left boards to the left of the goalie, and or rather to the I'm thinking broadcast. So if I'm looking at the goalie, it's probably um, I want to say Nilsson's blocker side. Okay, let me just make sure I'm specific on that. And um, so we really needed specific. Yes, jail. thank you, thank Kevin. You. I can see you hey, judging me. <laughs> I'm applauding JL for his specifics. The fact that he knows that that's that's, that's good. Well, I mean, well, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to make sure because you know I mean I want the fa- I want the people listening to understand. I, Damn it, I Kevin! Need to make sure everybody know I was at the game. To thank make you, sure he thank was you, Kevin, <laughs> for derailing my good point. But anyways, sure, uh, that's what he's here for to just ruin our conversation. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so no, so he was in the corner. He Tell was... me how you feel, JL. Uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> so he was in the corner and he was forechecking and you can see the raw skill that this guy can possess and just the power and the strength that this 18 year old has and he's just moving it around gets it around and then adam fox with a beautiful play to get it to Kako, which you know backhand into the net so he started that so he's confident he's stronger on the puck and he's making better passes and as he matures he's going to be able to do more which is the best thing you can possibly you know put out there because we all know what he's capable of you know uh it was it the other day and i think kevin was talking about this in our chat uh the nashville game he was skating straight down the wing and pretty much had a breakaway for the most part. The defender made a really nice play to keep it to kind of a one-on-one. But the fact that he was able to muscle his way through and get a chance on goal the way he did, it, it was with, good. 
the great defensive play. That was that's what it was. They, you know, Nashville's pressuring in the zone. I think it was still one nothing at this point, and you know, Kako just stole a pass like like read it perfectly. His hockey IQ is through the roof, and then was able, like you said, to muscle through two more defenders for a, a <laughs> for a you know a, a makeshift breakaway. And it's just the fact that it's only taken a month to adjust is outstanding in its own right. You know, we saw how long it took Phil Pedal to adjust. You know, Leah Sanderson is still adjusting. They're all from Europe, and you know, if you want to even add Mika Zibanejad, it took him years to really get to the point where he is now and the fact that Capo Kako is doing it in a month's time of NHL experience is is flabbergasting uh, and you know testament to his we, skill like I said no it really is it's just and this is why he was picked this high and just I get that you want guys to contribute immediately and I get that you're getting your fill with Panarin but he's a kid he's 18 give it a second and I'll say this every time that people are going to complain about him and just deal with it give everybody time it's a rebuild, Absolutely. not a build, not a retool. It's a rebuild, no Absolutely. matter how they want to sell it to you. And but, and, and but like, I we could we could go on about this all the time, but we do have Ricky's interview to deal with. Yes, not deal with, but you can listen to it. It's a great <laughs> interview. Ricky's great insight on the Hartford Wolfpack. If Russ, you want to introduce them, that'd be great. So, for those of you that don't know. Uh, Ricky Milner is our uh, top Hartford Wolfpack correspondent. He's been with the Forever Blue Shirt site for quite some time now. Great guy. Met him for the first time last spring when Kevin and I and a bunch of guys went to a Wolfpack game against the, um, oh, God. The Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Phantoms. That's right. And fun fact, Kevin had one of the best tweet chains with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms that night. Uh, he'll post it on his Twitter again. I, if I'm not, I, I gotta go find it now. Are you gonna be homework? Yes, Kevin. Yeah, you're gonna find it. It's not that great. It's literally two tweets. So and what? Hilarious. I've never seen it. Show me, Kevin. Come on. Show me. Show me. Show me the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we take you to our interview with our Hartford Wolfpack correspondent, Ricky Milliner. <laughs> And it is my pleasure to welcome to the Forever Blue Shirts radio podcast, Mr. Ricky Milliner, our Hartford Wolfpack correspondent. Ricky, it's great to have you on the show, man. How you doing? Pretty great here. You? How, how you guys been doing? Been a good season so far. Lots yeah, we're doing, we're doing pretty great. It's great to see the pack is doing really well. It's great to see that, you know, like the Rangers have actually taken a very big step in showing that they're serious about their developmental system, especially in the AHL this year. So, Rick, you are a season ticket holder. You see the pack more than almost anyone else. Um, first question I got for you is, uh, you know, Keith McCambridge is out. Chris Noblock and his staff are in. And Hartford is at the top of their division, at the top of the East. What have you seen um, this season that has looked a lot different with the team that has attributed to this really fast start? Uh, the truth this fast start for me, um, the biggest difference I'll say is the roster we have because even though we got a lot of guys returning, we got a couple of bigger guys and better um, prospect or better uh, veteran presence. And also, to the addition of Hito when we start the season, he was fantastic. Like, he really helped the team go where they're at to start the season. Like, when he was around, Hito was like the first guy. You always see him on the ice, he was scoring, getting assists, he's creating plays. He was unbelievable. He was really the. The top guy for us before we got caught with New York feels like really great. And, and then, like, what I see too is that the effort is there. Look, with Cambridge, there were effort, but the effort was not consistent. Now, Blatch, on the other hand, he does not tolerate nothing. He's very, like, 
he wants to, he wants the guys to practice. He wants the guys to develop. And if you don't do either or, or you struggle, you get benched. And um, that kind of happened to a couple of guys this season. Like Kratzov was one of them. When you guys heard about it, Ryan Grapple was also another one. Yeah, not much. Um, I like what I see so far for him. I mean, with the game, the Wolfpack have been coming back from from gold deficits every so often, and they won a lot of games that are actually. Like one goal games almost, so it's very unusual because in the years past, the Wolfpack they can never fight the battles when down one goal, two goals, three goals, or they can never defend defend the lead too. But this year, they've been coming back. They've been winning overtime. Um, the only issue I see as of right now with everything is that since we lost Hedo, the team kind of lost three straight. However, it sounds bad, but it's one regulation loss at first, and the last two losses are shootout losses. So to me, shootout losses give or take. This team has potential because I see there's a lot of potential on the team. Like there's a lot of young guys. They're they're playing well together. They have their struggles, but they're just trying to find a way. And they're still first place as we speak. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, look, everyone loves winning, and the fact yes. that the pack is in first place is something you know. I, I'm not used to seeing. A lot of people aren't used to seeing because the Rangers were kind of treating their developmental system as kind of an afterthought for a while. I mean, they were going for it, going for the cup trading picks, um, trading prospects, trying to get vets to come in and, you know, uh, help with a cup push. But now, since the rebuild has been going on, they've really been putting a focus on that, on their system, especially down there in Hartford. And, you know, Rick, like you say, you're seeing, uh, you're seeing like, uh, like jam and grip from these guys and pushback. And, you know, they're pushing to win games and coming back from deficits. Now, if you would give me a few guys, give our listeners a few guys down there, you know, besides the obvious and Heedle um, and, and, you know, who are some guys down there that Rangers fans should really be, you know, looking at that have contributed to Hartford's fast start? Um, for me, I say that the top guy to say right now would be Joey Keaton because even though he's a rookie, he's been playing points pretty consistently. And also, too, like these defense, he reminds me of, of a very young John Gilmore because when he had Gilmore last year, they were scoring the points, getting the goals. He could do a whole lot on defense and be a little fancy. Joey Keaton, he's like a young Gilmore, so develop me. He's still working on his um his defensive aspect of the game, but offensively it's really there. Like I'm very surprised at how he started. Like for a rookie, it's a very good start for me, in my opinion. And that that's a guy I think he could I think he could earn a call up at some point. Maybe later on this season or next season, I'm thinking, because if there's opportunity, I feel like he would be the next guy up for defenseman if uh the Rangers get like an injury bug or something. And then for another play you guys probably should look at is probably I wanna say is probably well. Well, two-way deal is probably Nieves because Nieves, to actually um, have him as a centerman for a couple of games, he's been working on that aspect. It's a little tough for him, tough for him like an opening, like the first game of the season, he's like losing a lot of draws. But now, as he's playing, getting practiced by, by the coach and everything else, he's been winning the draws, and he's been trying to be more versatile, which is nice to see. Like, you can see him helping offensive defensively, so that's good. And for him, he's, he got his, like, well-rounded game. And for him, too, it's interesting is that He's not a very young prospect. He's kind of up there, and he's like, I think he's 25 now, but he's around for a little bit. So so at that point, age, you're kind of like, you're, you're at the point where you have to, like, do some kind of development or, like, push yourself, finally go to the next step. Because oh, if you don't, if you stay, like, in the NHL, like, for a while, then it won't be good for, for the Rangers. Like, example, I want to give you, like, Adam Tambolini. I mean, he looked good in the uh, junior leagues, but when he came to Hartford, his development in Hartford was not so good. Then, after years, they, the Rangers cut him. So I don't want I don't want that to happen yet. But I think he has potential still. I still see potential in him. And then another player too. I think 
the Rangers will love to have at some point. Maybe it's Oregon. Um, he's like a good setup guy. Um, he doesn't, he's not really shooting the puck much, but he's more of like a, like a system. Like he can set up the play, especially in the park. But he knows how to set up, set up those guys rarely. Like he's a up um, with Terry a couple of times, Edo, and a couple other guys, which is nice. And with Terry, um, yeah, he, he has a little slow start this season, but now he picked up. He has like a little spri- like a little spritz, so um, that's good to see as well. If Terry is gets more consistent, I think I, I can see him up in New York at some point for a shot because I know he, he signed for one more year, so yeah, he has to prove himself that he can stay part of the organization. And we're still young in the season. I think he could. He has to prove it to us. Yeah, um, I mean, guys like Latiri and Nieves, like you're saying, like people describe them as being like instead of AAA players, like quad A players. Like they're just they're better than the AHL, but they're not quite at that NHL level yet. But I mean, you need guys like that to help you know the pack get along and you know help them keep going on their winning ways as the season goes on. So they'd definitely be injury call ups. I feel like if the Rangers needed them, um, another guy that I'm sure you've seen a lot of now and Ranger fans are really excited about is the goaltender down there in Hartford, and that's Igor Shesterkin. The man who they've been talking about is the czar. I mean, look, he's his his welcoming to North America. People have been waiting for this for a long time. And a lot of people had questions about how Shesterkin would uh, acclimate to the North American game. And it seems that it has not bothered him one bit. He's putting up numbers, was named one of the players of the month, I believe, in the AHL. Uh, Ricky, what have you seen from uh, Igor that, you know, you know, you, you just love? What have you what have you been seeing from the guy? If I if I talk about Igor, I was like, he's one hell of a goalie. He's amazing. Like, I was surprised how good he performed early on because, as like you say, he's coming from coming from the, like you know overseas with ice is bigger and the whole different game. But the minute he came to Hartford, he was like ready to go the first game. It's like he just kept the focus really sharp, and he was making some fancy looking saves. Like he really impressed me. And Igor, he's awesome too. He he's part of the reason why the Wolfpack are in, the, in top of the standings because Igor. He built this team out a couple of times when he struggled. He he just puts on fantastic shows when he plays. Like he like he could he he looks ready like to, for the NHL. Honestly, like I'm very surprised how quick he adapted North American ice, and it's all been great. It's all been good for him. And yeah, he was the um go go turn him up in October. He deserves it because Igor he's he's his you see his potential like right from the start when he plays. If you ever see a Wolfpack game, if he's playing. What can I see how he moves around the ice and everything? He just like he just knows the game so well, and like his hockey sense, he can sense it from afar. Like he knows what exactly going on. He knows what to do. He doesn't get rattled or shaken up by anyone. It's like regardless of the opponent or player he faces, he's all calm and collective all all moments. Like no matter what the situation, he he just plays hard out there and. He's one of the best goalies I've seen at Hartford by far in the longest time. Like I know we had a couple other goalies in the past, like like Tablet. I mean, the last great goalie you had who really went to the Rangers and who does gets gets successful at NHL career is Talbot. And Talbot was pretty good for us, but Shakurskin now, like, I feel like this guy is definitely his future of the Rangers. Like I can see him he definitely is here for long term and I feel like this is a great, great, great guy we have on, on goalies. And, and too, what's interesting too is I was talking about friends the other day is Igor. Um, he might get shot the Rangers soon, but it all depends on the Rangers demands it because Gorgia is right, right now is hot, so I don't know what they want to do with that. So it all depends on that too. But if they leave him Hartford, he'll continue to be the top goalie, and I have like no issues with him, and he's just great. Like every game, I look forward to it. He gives the team the best chance to win, and 
he's just fantastic. Like, I can't say how fantastic he is. Like, it's just great. Like, I know. I, I mean, I can hear the excitement in your voice. I mean, look, Igor constantly, I remember in the KHL, was putting up otherworldly numbers. It's great to see that his game is translating to Hartford. I mean, it's just going to help the pack all season long if they know they have a guy like that back to the stable rock in, in goal. Um, another situation I'd love your insight on is uh, two guys, actually. Um, one, Ryan Gropp, and two, and Ty Ronning. And the Ryan Gropp situation seemingly <laughs> – there's wrinkles to this every year with the guy, and, you know, it seems like his time is almost running out with this organization. It seems like he can't really get it together. And in the aspect of Tyrone, I know a lot of Rangers fans just – they want him to succeed. I mean, seventh-round pick, the guy scored a crap ton of goals for the Vancouver Giants in his final year in juniors, was a really good goal scorer in juniors. And, you know, a lot of us want to see him put it together at the AHL level. So what are your thoughts on the Grop situation, and what are your thoughts on Tyrone as well? Yeah, let's start with Grapp here. Um, Ryan Grapp, he's actually yesterday or Saturday. Um, his suspension lifted, so he's he played his first game since his suspension team on Saturday night in Maine, which is pretty good. Um, for Ryan Grapp, it's like he well, he's on hard for the past couple of seasons. He was always like the third or fourth line guy. He didn't do a whole lot. He scored every so often. He had little spurts. Then he'd be quiet for the rest of the season. And to me, like with that Grapp, like. There's some potential, but it's not a whole lot. It seemed like, like, and also too, I think it has to do with the with the roster was, was put together around him because Grapp didn't really have that much chance to succeed, and the cameras kind of had him in the back end a lot. And Grapp wasn't doing like he wasn't like he's was playing like basic. He wasn't like playing like he wasn't as noticeable on netly based on like compared to other players we had in the past. And with Grapp, yeah, he's been pretty good in the, when you know when you first drafted and. Um, in his junior leagues, but when he got the HL slim, slim he struggled. And we and it's a big it's a big jump for these players. I mean, we go from junior leagues to the HL, um that's a that's a very tough tough to get going. And I feel like Grapp never really adjusted to it fully and then he just he's couldn't find the game and and I think too it's a whole suspension with him actually this season I think I think he probably was frustrated with him or the team maybe on how he was treated in the past and he might feel like he deserves to be in the Hartford. Um with the situation now, what comes with that, I mean, when you don't report to Maine, then it kind of leaves a little bad taste in your mouth after that. So I don't know what the Rangers manager be thinking exactly, but Ryan Grapp now, he's a, he's a, he has a bigger mountain climb now because since he's in ETHL, he's down further. If he wants to get back to Hartford, he's going to have to make sure he plays one hell of a game, and he's going to be, like, the top guy for Maine, and prove the Rangers saying, prove the Rangers essentially saying, like, look, I know it's suspended, but I want to come back. Because in the Rangers' mind, why give Brian Graff an opportunity to call up when you have these other plays in the ECHL? It's all about the impression, too, of that. So Ryan Graff, like, when, when that happened, that was not wise. And Graff's development has been okay. Um, it's not been spectacular. So I hope he rebounds from this or is a learning lesson from him. It would be nice to see. And then for Tyron, yeah, with him, I, I like to see the guy, too, succeed because he's a nice guy and he has capability. He has the offensive tactics. He has the speed. He can shoot at times. But Ty Riding, for him, I know this is like he struggles at AHL level as well. He did good in the East AHL last season. And another thing, too, I know is that he was also injured a lot, it seemed like, last season. So I think that kind of played a role in his like, development stuff because once you can't play, I mean, once you're out for a little bit, it kind of, excuse me, it kind of like takes longer for your development. And also, too, with Ty Riding, like, like under McCambridge, I noticed like like late last season with McCambridge, it was like 
Tyrone was always in the doghouse for him. Like he was always scratched, and McCammon didn't really give him really a whole lot of chances to like prove himself. And with the new coach now, I think it should be better for him because he actually played his first game the other day. He did decent, but Tyrone, I feel like he has he does have some potential, but I feel like he has to utilize it somehow. Or yet we have to like put begin like the chem- the successful like chemistry for him. I'm thinking with his proper line mates. Ty Riding, um, I think his time is kind of up, but like I feel like there's a little chance for him still. Um, with how everything's going with the Rangers with the new new, new prospects and the draft picks we're getting, I mean, players like Ty Riding, Ryan Grapp, and he, they get they get pushed on further and further down Chepstar, and eventually they'll get they'll walk away. Like we kind of seen that a couple times happen already. Like with Adam Tillman, like when he's getting down, when he's not doing good, then he get pushed on depth chart. And then Ryan Bork is another situation too with that. Like we thought he had yeah. potential, but after a while, he gets lower, lower, lower depth chart and then eventually not resigned. Yeah, so they're, they're basically fighting a pretty fairly huge uphill battle. Rick, thanks so much for joining us, man. Um, it's been great having you on the show. We'd love to have you back on later in the season to talk uh, hopefully about the playoff push for the pack. And, uh, you know, if anyone wants to see Rick's work, it's on Forever Blue Shirts. He keeps writing our Wolfpack columns. And, uh, Rick, one word, do you think that this Wolfpack team is a playoff team, yes or no? I think so. There we go. You heard it from the man (laughs) himself. Ricky, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Ricky. He's going to be back later in the season to talk more Wolfpack. I mean, the pack is off to just an amazing start like we were talking about, so let's hope it continues. So I'm going to spring a surprise topic on the fellas here. Usually before we we start the pod, we we run down our list of topics and we prepare a little bit, but I thought it would be fun to drop something on them right now. Guys, over the past few days, we have seen a lot of talk about Yessi Puglia Yarvi. (laughs) And he surprised me. Possible, oh boy, possible trade to the New York Rangers. So I'm going to ask both of you make this a little quick. Kevin, we're going to start here. What is what is your ideal trade that you would offer to Ken Holland for Yessi Puglia? You said ideal trade because I was going to say I don't think it's going to happen. No, no, I want ideal. (laughs) So now, now my topic is completely. Yeah, now you got me. Now you got me really surprised. (laughs) Kevin, Um, tell us how you really feel. Oh yeah. So. Look, Yessi has really said that he doesn't want to play for the Oilers. They're playing really well right now. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are leading the charge, obviously, but he doesn't like it there. He doesn't want to be a part of it, which really decreases the amount of value he has in a trade. I mean, like, obviously, they want to get rid of him. He doesn't want to be there. So I've heard a lot of different things. I've heard Leah Sanderson and a pick possibly for him, or I heard Chris Kreider for um yes he and a pick back for the rangers but personally i do think that we might ship out leah sanderson and possibly some mid to late pick for yes but if it's Kreider, we might get a second round and a third round back for him as well but personally i see it more going the leah sanderson route he hasn't gotten the minutes that he needs there's a, it's going to be a logjam at center if we do get a high pick next year. Maybe they're going to be proactive. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll hold their cards. It's just, personally, I don't see it happening. I, it's not worth it. It's not, like, you have enough guys. Like, the team's just meshing now. Why mess with that chemistry? The kids need it. Mm-hmm. And the, mm-hmm. 
and and they should be prepared when the trade deadline comes, when a lot of guys are going to get shipped out again. So, bottom line, Leah Sanderson and and a pick for Jesse, or it doesn't happen at all. And I'm going with it doesn't happen at all. JL, same question. Your ideal trade scenario for Jesse Puglia-Yarvi, and if you think it's feasible. It's definitely feasible. I just don't think trading Leah Sanderson for the guy makes any sense. That Puglia-Yarvi is still pretty young. And he is finished, so if you're going to stick him on a line, you're going to stick him with Kako, obviously. Um, but if you, but if do you, you do it for just that? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, but... no, no. No, you're good. No, I... That's such a backwards way of thinking about it. But if you think about it, it's Kevin, like, we're though... just going to trade for this this young guy just to make Capo Kako happy. Well, I mean, it's not really that far-fetched, though, if you think about it. Because, you know, Puliyarvi's knows... But he's, he's, not just, a... he's playing well now. He's not a terrible player, though, Puliyarvi. He's not. I'm not saying he is. It's just, is it, you, you want to give up Leah Sanderson or some other prospect that no, just because I don't want to trade Leah Sanderson. jump on the Edmonton Oilers? No, I don't want to trade there Leah Sanderson. No, absolutely not. I think that's stupid. I, I think you're better off trading Chris Kreider and maybe a lower pick for a guy like that because then what happens when Strom leaves and now you pretty much, you know, what do you have down the middle? You know Strom's getting traded. I mean, that's kind of the mm-hmm. writing on the wall. Unless they give him a team-friendly contract to pretty much do what Michael then, Haley does every have, night. Then but, you can have Zibanejad, Howden, Heedle, and then Nieves if you want to decide to extend him for another year. But it's like you can't have a guy like Leah Sanderson with a ceiling that high. So then you just the turn him into a winger for this long. Just turn him into a winger. Which why not? It's just is he destined to be center forever? No, I is turn, turn Anderson into a winger. Where he's not playing a lot of minutes, and then you trade it to another team, and he's outstanding. No, you don't Everybody do that. Says, well, Kevin, it's, it's, kind of, of, it's not a realistic trade. Kevin, it kind of sounds like we're agreeing, but it doesn't sound like we're agreeing with each other. I'm just no, no. It's I just, think I think that's a good way to put it. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I think that's no, a good because way to put it. no, because it, I, it's a surprising topic because I wasn't prepared for this, and I do have thoughts that it's just not going to be worth the trade I, unless, I, like, the Rangers really do get extra things back just to take them on. So my my thing is this. So I, I made a point on one of my uh, on one of the earlier podcasts where I said, um, "Hey, look, the Rangers have had this habit of only getting these scrappy players for the bottom six roles." Okay, you know you had many players like Lee Stepniak, uh, Tanner Glass, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just uh, you know we want to we want to have some of these guys of our own. The Bruins do it all the time. You know, look at I know Matt, I know Matt Bolesky, yeah. I know Matt Bolesky is a perfect example for Anaheim. The Bruins do it. You know, all the good teams do it. So why not just trade Chris Kreider, who we all know is gonna be gone, and then once you get rid of Ryan Strom, you have space for Anderson, and you can have Puglia Yarvi. And then even then, you know, once Michael Haley goes, once Greg McKegg goes, you're going to have a team primarily full of already experienced guys who have already done the NHL a couple of times. And honestly, that's best-case scenario, Kevin. So it kind of sounds like you're agreeing with me, but just in different words. I'm agreeing with you, but the tactics the tactics are just not the same. It's just if he's still there at – well. That's the issue. It's like the RFA trade, the RFA signing deadline it's is coming December. fast. It's December. It's yeah, which December they have another 1st. month to iron out details. It's just yeah. again, the Rangers play everything close to the best. The fact that this even got leaked is amazing, which means it probably won't happen. Yeah, it's 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 a big question mark. And don't get me wrong, I'd love to have him on the team. He'd play great. And and now, and, 
My and, thing with Puyo Yarvi here, you have to look at it this way. I agree with both of you in saying that Anderson shouldn't be the one to go, and it should be Chris Kreider. And I think that Chris Kreider getting getting a return of Puyo Yarvi in some form of picks would be the right way to go. Um, but at the same time, you have to ask yourself here. Leah Sanderson has been playing a consistent fourth line role under David Quinn. It doesn't seem, it seems whatever he is doing is not getting himself up the lineup. Now, the now I'm not saying I advocate for this, but I'm saying if you don't see a player as having a future in your system, do you trade him for a piece that could have a very good future in your system? All things we need to ask ourselves in a potential trade for the still super talented fourth overall pick of the i believe 2016 draft mm -hmm. that was the lion a yeah. matthews draft mm -hmm. so obviously a lot of factors i like what you both said how you know you don't want anderson to go because there will be space for him once guys leave and jail i specific i really like what you said about the bottom six because when you have guys like haley and mckeg leave you know remember our forward prospects aren't being as heralded as much as our deep prospects are but morgan Barron is having a great you know career for cornell He's going to be a guy that's going to be looked to contribute soon, probably. Another gem the Rangers found in the late round. Let's see what we have in Billy Meskin. Let's see what Bunievas does. If, you know, you know, you let a fire under him like they've been trying to do. So these are all good things you guys pointed out. Um, will a trade happen for Puglia Yarvi? I mean, time will tell. December 1st is going to be the unofficial deadline because he needs to sign something by then to play in the NHL this season. Moving forward, the Rangers play the Detroit Red Wings tonight, since you'll be listening to this on Wednesday. Uh, they'll be playing the Carolina Hurricanes on Thursday, the P Florida Panthers on Sunday, the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday. So big schedule coming up for the New York Rangers. Uh, let's see how they respond after this nightmarish loss to the Ottawa Senators and getting dragged into all, all this nonsense. And one final note before we leave today. Uh, you know, I always like to you know, thank people for the work that they do. And one person that really needs to be highlighted here, and I'm going to embarrass him a little bit, but he deserves the praise right now, is JL. Oh, no. Okay? Okay, Russ, and stop. you know what? Stop, Russ. Uh, it's not like I thanked him countless times before. <laughs> JL does fantastic work for the podcast. You know, I, I might be the host, quote-unquote official host here, but these two guys, Kevin and JL, are here with me every week, and JL takes the time out of his schedule to edit this, to make sure our sound is okay and up to par, to make sure that we're on time. And, you know, he runs a tight ship here. So, you know, it's really, JL, thank you for all the work that you do. <laughs> thank you for contributing to the site that you do, and it means a lot to me, and it means a lot to Ant and the guys that, you know, work with you. Well, I appreciate yeah, the, I appreciate you. yeah, thank you guys. I, I appreciate the kind words, you know. Like I like I told Ant that one time I met him at the game before he uh blessed me with holy water like all Italians do in the mob. Oh. Um, <laughs> um uh a good guy. Uh you know, he said he said the words labor of love and that couldn't be any more truthful. You know, I do this because I enjoy doing it with you guys. I enjoy writing content. You know, I just put out a, a Haley and Smith article that's probably triggered almost everybody, but I enjoy <laughs> doing it. Uh, I love the Rangers. I, I love working with you guys. And this is really just, you know, just something awesome. And I thank you for the kind words. It really means a lot because now I know 
who Russell likes better. So, mm. oh <laughs> so sorry, Kevin. I mean, I mean, you shouldn't have taught me how to do any sort of editing because now I'm coming for you, Jail. Uh, oh, so you're gonna I usurp right me? Got here. it. Mm. <laughs> thank you, Kevin. Mm. But no, oh, seriously though, right thank here. you though. Ah, you're but, so welcome, buddy. You know, you know, you yeah, deserve you to be every, for the work. You, you do everything always. So, he's great. We love Jail. We love Jail. Yes. So, Follow Thank you. JL at JL Shapiro 8 and <laughs> if you can find the late program on YouTube, definitely it's check it out. Great late program. Late, pro- late program's going to be doing new episodes soon. So. A lot of the, things. The, the top rated show in Perth Amboy, not a big deal. Second, second, to, second to council meetings and kids parties. <laughs> And on that note, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you to Ricky Milner for coming on and giving us his Wolfpack insight. Uh, Let's go Rangers and let's go Pack. And let's hope that by this time next week, that nightmarish loss to the Senators, we totally forget about it and we're on a totally new winning streak. Have a great week, everybody. everyone. This is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all-Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches, and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby. What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at, is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets.